word today. And God, we thank you that your word, God, will take hold and take root in our lives and that we will never be the same again. We thank you for that. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen in the house. Come on, high five two people around you and say, mind the gap. Mind the gap. Because what is the gap? The gap is between what we expect and what we receive. And that gap can be frustration. And so many times if we don't handle that frustration right, we're going to digress in our lives. We're going to stay the same instead of progressing and moving on into everything that God has for us. And I just want to begin as we start this present message in this series by saying this. We really needed a whole series itself to tackle the subject that we're going to be dealing with today. We're going to be covering much ground. You need to get your notepads and your pens ready, but even better than that, you need to be on you version because all the notes are already on there and you can just add your own notes and follow along. But I really believe what we're going to discuss today is so important because it's ground that we need to take back. It's ground that the enemy has stolen from us. And today we're going to talk about how do I transition from unforgiveness to freedom. Say that with me, unforgiveness to freedom. In other words, unforgiveness to forgiveness, but the freedom it's going to bring to my life is absolutely incredible. This is a massive, massive subject. And last week we talked about worry and how worry and unforgiveness are probably, if you could turn me down, Fred, that would be great, how worry and unforgiveness are probably two of the most powerful tools that Satan uses against us. And here's our theme scripture. Are you ready? It's a really a good one. I think the Word of God is great, but how many know some verses in the Bible just seem to be more powerful to you than other verses? And these are two great verses or three great verses that I believe need to be something real to your life. Paul says these words. He says, Dear Corinthians, who? You put your name in there because it's addressed to you too. I cannot tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. He said, we didn't fence you in. It's your fault. Come on, we, we didn't restrict you. We didn't put you in a bondage. We didn't limit your life. Whose fault is it? It's my fault. Why? Because the smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. That's powerful. I want to say that again. That's powerful. Your life isn't small, the Word of God tells us, but we are living in a small way. Paul said, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Paul says, I want you to open up your life so you can live openly and expansively. Wow, what a scripture. What a truth for every one of our lives. And I believe that's a clear picture of what God has for your life. God doesn't want you to be small. God doesn't want you to be bound. God wants you to live openly and expansively. Yet, 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 such things as worry, yet such things as unforgiveness, we allow in our lives and it causes the things of God not to happen in the way they should. Unforgiveness to freedom. Unforgiveness to forgiveness. You see, the secret 
to any relationship is forgiveness. If you want to have a relationship with someone, you've got to be a good forgiver. Why is that? Because the people we love the most are the people who have the opportunity to hurt us the most. It's the people we open our lives to. It's, it's, it's those that we allow in and tell them our stories. They are given now the opportunity. We literally give someone the right to harm us, to hurt us. We allow them in. It was the same with Jesus. Who was the one that was able to betray Jesus? It wasn't someone from the crowd. But it was someone who could slip through the crowd unnoticed. One of his disciples, Judas, who was able to go to him and kiss him on the cheek. And you see, God knows that. God knows that the ones closest to us, the ones around us, carry the power and the opportunity. But not just them. God knows that everyone, everyone breathing, has the opportunity to bring hurt and harm. And that's why he commands us. To forgive. You've got to forgive one another. We've got to keep short accounts. Look at this statement. To practice forgiveness is to experience freedom. You want freedom in your life. It only comes by way of forgiveness. And that's where we want to get you today. Because many of you have something in your heart today. That you perhaps don't even realize it's there. But it's limiting the freedom and the wide open, expansive life that God has for you. Look at this scripture, John 8 verse 36. It says these words, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free. What? Indeed. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Please notice the word if and where it's placed. Because it's very important to note that it's not making it automatically happen in our life. We have to let God. It doesn't say God makes us free. It says if the Son, if we allow, if we open up our hearts, if we give God the room and the right to come in, oh, He'll come in because it's only the Son that sets us free. Come on, the person beside you can't really bring freedom to your life. Come on, your best friend can't bring freedom to your life. It's only God, and I can't bring freedom to my life. It's only God that can give me the freedom. And notice the freedom that He gives me is not temporary. It's not just a little. You will be free indeed. I like to say it this way, indeedly free. You'll be free from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Why? Because God wants to bring total freedom if, if you and I, will allow him the right to move. He has to set us free. Listen, he has to set you free. I don't know where you're at today, but you better start right here. You better start at the freedom of God. Otherwise, you will become enslaved in your sin and you will be infected with bitterness from the wounds that other people have inflicted upon your life. You see, God wants to set you free so you can experience an authentic, wide-open life, not a small life. The enemy wants to limit you. God wants you to shake the limits off and to move into everything that he has. And it's so important to know this first. Before we go on with this message, God can set you free. God can give you the ability to forgive those 
So you'll find that freedom and you can walk in that relief. Joyce Myers, I think this is a great quote. She said, I have found that no other ingredient damages the heart more than the issue of unforgiveness. And a damaged heart means a damaged source. Because our heart is so important for the well-being of our life. Our heart affects every part of us. If you don't believe me, remember when you were brokenhearted? Remember when that first love broke your heart? Remember how it affected everything? You couldn't eat, you didn't want to go to work, you didn't want to talk to anyone. Your heart affects your life. Let me show you further from the scripture, Proverbs 23 and verse 7. For as he thinks where? In his heart... He is or he becomes. In other words, a broken heart, an affected heart will affect your mind. Let's read on Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of what? Out of it, out of your heart. Say with me, your heart. My heart springs the issues of life. Literally, the Bible says my heart determines the boundaries or the course of my life. So therefore, if my source, my heart is wrong, my life is wrong. It affects my decisions. It affects my Actions, Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the what? The heart, the what speaks? The mouth, if my heart is wrong, my words are wrong. Can you see? 2 Samuel 16 and 7, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks where? He looks at the heart. When God was choosing the next king, Samuel looked and he said, he has to be the one. And God says, don't look at what you see. You've got to look where I see. And God says, I look from the inside out. So what am I saying? If my heart is not right, then I'm not ready for service. Come on, my availability. I'm not there to be used By God, can you see the importance of my heart being right? Because it affects everything. It's vital. When paramedics show up at the scene of an accident, the first thing they're doing is they're not checking out what kind of shoes you're wearing. Oh, they're nice. They're LeBrons. Oh, I like those. They don't care about your hairstyle. They don't care about your clothes. The first thing and the only thing they care about is this. Is there a pulse? Is your heart beating? Is there life in your body. Come on, we worry about everything else. Our concern needs to be, where is your heart today? Oh, I thought you're talking about unforgiveness to forgiveness. I am. And it starts in your heart. Today, as we work through the transition, I want to talk about what forgiveness looks like, beginning first with what forgiveness is not. And then showing us what it is and then finishing with why we need to forgive. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm telling you right now, I believe this could be one of the most powerful messages that you have ever heard for your life. One of the most powerful messages that you will ever hear. So what is it not? Say with me, the lies of forgiveness. What's the lies of unforgiveness in my life? Come on, the lies of unforgiveness. Look at this, number one, true Forgiveness is not something that you have to wait for someone to ask for. We can say things to people and do things and nothing happens back. So what do we think? I guess I got away with it. 
I guess they didn't realize or I guess it didn't hurt them or affect them. We can say great, but it's not great because we will never get away with wrong. And the longer we try to put it off, the more pain and hurt and problems it's going to cause down the wrong road. If you have wronged someone, whether they know it or not, or whether they are pressing you or not, we still need to ask for forgiveness. I coined this phrase many years ago. Are you ready? Forgiveness is one-sided. Forgiveness is one-sided. What do I mean by that? It's your responsibility. It's easy for us to turn around and say, well, I'll forgive them when they forgive me. But God says, no, forgiveness is your responsibility. They may not even know that you have wronged them. They may not even know what you have said. But it's your responsibility to make it right. That means no matter the response or lack of it, it's still a requirement of yours to forgive that person or persons. And the reason it's really one-sided is this. It's not really about them and you. It's really about you and God. It's about you and God because it's your heart that's been affected and your life that's going to be impacted as a result of this. Now, how that looks for you in the future with someone. Maybe you need to go to someone. Maybe you need to sit down with them. Maybe you need to write a letter. But one thing I'll say is this. Don't stress about it. Just do it. And when you do it, don't look to open the wound. Remember, the reason we're doing it is to heal the wound. We're not starting a conversation again. We're just saying, hey, listen, hey, if I did anything or if you did anything, then hey, would you forgive me? Well, of what? I don't know. Just would you forgive me? Don't try and open wounds and create more opportunities for the enemy. Amen? We're trying to heal instead of destroy. Number two, forgiveness is not a conditional contract. A contract is where both parties agree. If you're signing a lease, you agree on the terms. You agree on the amount. You agree on how long. That's the terms of the contract. And the contract is based upon the agreement of those things. It's not like that with forgiveness. Because they may never agree. I said they may never agree. They may never see the fault. They may never say, I'm sorry. So what happens? If it's a conditional contract, then I can't find freedom. If they're not willing to forgive me, I can't find freedom. Can you see the problems with that? Because I'm in trouble if forgiveness is a conditional contract. (laughs) Forgiveness is just waiting on you. We say things like, I'll forgive you if you forgive me and you promise to never do that again. I'll, I'll forgive when you change. And we prefer that. Let's be honest with that. But we don't always get that. And what that is, that's not a conditional contract. That's really a negotiation or a trade. And that's not forgiveness. Luke twenty three thirty four. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. Don't forgive them if. Don't forgive them when. He said, God, forgive them right now because they don't know. They're clueless. They don't know. They don't understand. They don't see the big picture of what's happening here. What is Jesus doing as he's asking for forgiveness for them? Yes, he's about to forgive the sins of the world and thank God for that upon the cross. He said, forgive them, but you and I were included in the them of that day because he became the price of forgiveness for every single one of us. 
But it was more than just the forgiveness of sin. Jesus was modeling to you and I what we need to do when others around us treat us wrong. Come on. We get offended. We get hurt. We get wounded. He forgave so we can forgive. Look at that. He forgave so we can forgive. He modeled to us. Why? Because Jesus knew the harm that unforgiveness will bring to every life. Number three, real forgiveness is not retaliation. Hmm. I'll show them. I'll get them back. Have you ever had someone give you a hug and they pat you on the back? Thank God for the sincerity of hugs and thank God for the sincerity of hearts. But many times I've been hugged by people and all they're doing is feeling for a soft spot. Come on, to drive another knife into your back. Real forgiveness is not retaliation. A poster child for this is the story of Joseph. You see in Joseph, in Genesis 37 through chapter 50. Wow, that's a long story right there. That's a lot of chapters. Why? Because a lot of things happen in the life of Joseph. Joseph dreamt a dream that he didn't ask for. And as a result of that dream, he saw hard, hardship by his brothers. His brothers hated him. They sold him as a slave before they wanted to kill him. He's accused of rape. He's imprisoned. Now he's second in charge. But not once do you ever read of that Joseph looked to retaliate in any way. And it's very important to know that by the time his brothers stood in front of him, Joseph had the position to do whatever he wanted to do. He was second in charge only to Pharaoh, the mightiest man on the face of the earth of that day. So that meant Joseph was the second most powerful man on the face of the earth. He had the opportunity to click his fingers and his brothers would have been beheaded right there. But notice if he would have done that, he would have killed Judah. Judah was one of his brothers. And from the lineage of Judah would later come Jesus Christ. He would have destroyed the lineage of Jesus through the hatred and the retaliation in his life. What am I saying? We think it feels good to retaliate. We think it feels good to get them back. But it doesn't in the end. And that's not forgiveness. I'm going to retaliate and I'm going to shut. That's not forgiveness. True forgiveness is trusting God with that thing and praying for those who have hurt you and come against you. And we're going to come back to that later. Number four, are you with me today? Forgiveness never minimizes the seriousness of the offense. It never for one second makes it right what was done to you or done by you. It doesn't make it right. I said it doesn't make it right. But I'm telling you this much. If we don't forgive, that will be the end of our story where God wants that to be the closing of a chapter. Because God has a new chapter that's unfolding for our life. When you tell someone to forgive, it never minimizes the action. Nothing takes from what 
has taken place to you. Back to Joseph, when he saw his brothers. Look what he says to them. Genesis 50, verse 20, he says, But as for you, you meant evil against me. Notice he's not minimizing the seriousness of the event, what's taken place. He didn't say, oh, you were just playing. I know that. No, no, you meant evil. You, you, you meant to harm me. You wanted to destroy my life. You wanted to take me out. See the seriousness still of the event? But notice what he says, but God meant it. Come on, God is able, in other words, to use it. I want you to know something. God doesn't mean hurt and pain to come upon your life, but God is able to take your hurt and pain and use it for something great. And he says, for God meant it. He's able to use it in order to bring about this day. What day was he talking about? Joseph, because of his life and his example, was able to save thousands and thousands of people from starvation and death. And think about it. This day for your life, it may not be thousands and thousands, but I'm telling you, your life impacts a whole lot more people than you perhaps realize. And he said, this day I'm able to save people alive. Joseph did not excuse it. But through forgiveness, he now knows there's a purpose through it. Come on, there's a purpose through it. A test that can become a testimony. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us, I haven't got it on the screen, but Romans 8 verse 28 tells us, for we know that all things work together for good. You mean rape? Yes. You mean being beaten? Yes. You mean that I was wasted and I was an addict and and I lost everything? You mean God can use that? The Bible says that all things, good, bad, whatever they may be, God can take those things and He can use them for His good. New Living Translation says, we know that God causes everything to work together for good. Doesn't minimize the offense, but don't allow your heart to become bitter because bitterness is the result of holding on to unforgiveness. Number five, forgiveness is not always life as normal. Wow, that's good. I said, that's good right there, because that's why many people don't want to forgive. Well, if I forgive them, then that means uh, I've got to go straight back into that same environment. Then I open myself up to the same wound. I open myself up to the same predator. No, 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 that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't automatically place things back as they were before and it doesn't put you in a place of hurt again. I've used this example so many times. The neighbor's dog bit me. By the way, the neighbor's dog never bit me. It's just an example. But my neighbor's dog bit me. I went in the yard one day and he bit me. Guess what? (laughs) I don't have to go back in that yard again to forgive him. I can love him from a distance, my side of the fence. I can smile and wave, and some people may say, well, that's not forgiveness. I believe it is, and it's something extra. It's forgiveness with wisdom. I don't have to go back in that yard again. I don't have to be around that person again. I don't have to give them the opportunity, but I can still forgive them from a safe place, from a distant place. Amen? I can still do that, because as I love from a distance, guess what happens? I am placing them in the hands of God. 
And God is the keeper and he's going to help and he's going to trust. And as I do the right thing, God's going to be the enforcer. His Holy Spirit is going to do what needs to be done. You see, forgiveness doesn't mean automatic trust. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean automatic trust. Listen to me today. If you're sitting here today and you've been abused, sexually abused, the statistics for those who have been sexually abused are absolutely unbelievable. And it's wrong. And no one should have violated you and taken something from you that they didn't have and it wasn't theirs and if you have been abused and if you're still in an abusive situation I'm going to say this you need to get out of harm's way and you need to run for your life maybe in the future you'll be able to trust that person again why because it's possible through God all things are possible through God God can give you the healing you can sit here right now and say never Never say never with God. Never say never with God. But remember today, we're not talking about trust. That's a whole different message. Today we're talking about forgiveness. And in order for any trust to possibly ever happen in the future, it first has to start with forgiveness. You see, the difference between trust and forgiveness is this. Trust has to be rebuilt or earned. And that takes time to do that, if ever it can be restored. But forgiveness is different, you see, because forgiveness is built on grace and it's unconditional. And that means this, forgiveness is immediate. I can release that person right now and forgive them. But it doesn't mean I have to trust them again. It doesn't mean that life goes on as normal, but I can still forgive them. And here's what helps me when I'm thinking of things like this, because it's tough. Are you ready? We don't forgive because they deserve it. We forgive because we didn't deserve it. I'm not talking about what they did to us. I'm talking about we forgive because we didn't deserve the forgiveness that God gives to every single one of us. And the same forgiveness he gives to us is the same forgiveness. We need to make sure that it's going out to other people. And I have a scripture for that. Colossians 3 13, it says, bearing one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, what does he say? So you must also do. You've got to do it. As Christ has forgiven you, you need to forgive other people. Remember, that doesn't mean life as normal because things need to drastically change before that. But I'm telling you, you can have forgiveness in your life. Number six, forgiveness doesn't mean they'll get away with it. Well, if I forgive them, then they're going to get away with it. They need to suffer for what they've done in my life. They need to be, listen, God didn't call you to be the judge and the jury. God called you to be the witness. And you to be a witness to him and to be able to testify of his goodness and mercy. Come on, we're not the ones that write people off. We leave that in God's hands, but we've got to forgive them. Oh, but pastor, if I forgive them, they're getting away with it. Trust me, they will never escape it. Eternity is a long time. And God promises this. Are you ready? Vengeance is mine. I'll repay. I'll take care. I can handle my business. God says, I'm a big boy. I can take care of you. I can take care of your life. 
Forgiveness doesn't make them right. But forgiveness sets you free. It doesn't make them right, but it sets you free. Number seven, forgiveness is not forgetting. Remember that saying out there, you've got to forgive, Anne? Did you forget that one? You've got to forgive and... That's not in the Bible. Did you know that? That's not biblical. Because we as human beings do not possess the ability, nor do we have the capacity to forget everything that's done to us as much as we want to. And the problem is, so many times when we focus on trying to forget something, we remember it more. (laughs) We try to push it out. Remember the red hammer? Close your eyes and picture the red hammer. Can you see the red hammer? Can you picture it in your mind right now, the red hammer? Okay, don't see the red hammer anymore. Don't see the red hammer. Don't see it. Don't see it. Don't look at the red hammer. What happens? Open your eyes. You're still seeing the red hammer. And so many times we can say, well, just because I don't forget it, the enemy wants to come and say, well, you never forgave them. I think many times a memory of what's happened in our lives can be used for our benefit in our future. Because it can remind us of lessons that can help us move on to your future. Now, don't allow the memories of the wrong to cloud the right in every person. Don't be a cynical person that sees wrong in every person because one person wronged you. Everyone's bad. One guy abused you. Now, every man's an abuser. Don't be like that. But learn from these things. But here's what happens. You may never forget But you can lose that power and grip over your life. Why? Because true forgiveness and through forgiveness, you release the memory from having a grip on you. When you think those things, you don't get those cold shudders anymore. When you think those things, you lose that hatred. You lose that retaliation. You lose that feeling in your life. Because that thing has no power. To control you, Joseph, to his brothers, you intended to hurt me. (laughs) He remembered that, but now he's able to bless them because God had forgiven them. Matthew 5, 44, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you you. You want to know if you are living in forgiveness? It's when you no longer seek revenge. Because remember, God can take the pains of our past and make it something good for our future. Can I just add this in this message? Be careful who you tell your story to. Be careful who you really open up to and share your life with. Because some people will struggle with your past and never give you a hope for a future. That's one of the gifts I believe that you have as a pastor. I really believe that. I believe it's a gifting that you have as a pastor that you can look at people and know what they've done and where they've come from and you don't judge them for that, but you can rejoice in their future and in their lives. And some people can't handle that. Some people will never be able to get beyond that. So watch who you counsel with and who you talk with. 
Because remember this, the whole idea of a counselling is not for us to live in the past, but it's to find the freedom so we can live in the future that God has for us today. I know there's a lot of information. I hope you're following along. Number eight, forgiveness is not what you deserve, but he gives it to you anyway. Well, I deserve to be forgiven. No, you don't. There's not one of us here that deserves the grace and mercy of God, but yet he still freely gives it to us. And so many times we struggle to accept and even receive the forgiveness of God and and to feel forgiven. Some people say, well, I know that God wants, but I just don't feel forgiven. Remember this, your feelings will lie to you. The enemy doesn't want you to feel forgiven. But you are, if you've given it to Christ, you are forgiven. The Bible says the old is gone and you are a new creation. And I believe it's so important for you to know and feel that and have that forgiveness in your life. So then you can begin to forgive other people. That's one of the things that we talk about with small groups. We believe that love happens. Life starts to know in Jesus, but love happens as you find relationships and you do life with other people. And we believe that something that happens when you begin to come together and confess your faults and you begin to share your life's story. We believe that when we pray, as James 5.16 tells us, that God says healing will come to our lives and we can walk in freedom in our lives. And I'm telling you right now, we don't walk in that freedom because we deserve it. We walk in that freedom because he gives it to us. We are undeserving, every one of us. But through his love and his grace and his mercy, we can now forgive. But we've got to first receive it in order to give it. Come on, I I believe this so truly. Are you ready? It's hard to give what you haven't got. I said, it's hard to give what you haven't got. And you've got to have the forgiveness of God in your life so you can forgive other people. Because that's the strength that will help you in your life. Because in your own abilities, you just see the pain. You see the hurt. You see what they've caused in your life. But remember this, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. You've got to allow God to bring that freedom and liberty into your life. Let's read a story from Matthew 18. Beginning in verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle his accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Say with me, 10,000 talents. But he was not able to pay, so his master commanded that he would be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and that the payment would be made. But the servant fell down before his master saying, please have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him of the debt. Say with me, forgave him of all of the debt. But the servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him what? A hundred denarii. Say with me, a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet. Does that sound familiar? And he begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him to prison until he could pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and they came and told their master what they had seen and what had been done. 
And the master, after he had called him, said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Ten thousand talents. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant for one hundred denarii, as I had the pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Ten thousand talents. So my heavenly father also will do to each one of you from his heart who does not forgive his brother his trespasses. It's a powerful story. A powerful story for our lives today. Because what this story is dealing with is this story is dealing with the debt of sin. Jesus speaks this parable or story as a direct result to Peter asking a question. Verse 21 and 22 says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but I say up to 70 times seven. What we need to understand is this, in Jewish law, what was required was this, three chances were to be given. You gave someone three opportunities and then if they didn't do it, then it was over. So Peter is way over if you think about it. He's looking at the law of the day. It requires three opportunities, three strikes, you're out. Peter's like, well man, I'm going to double that and I'm going to add one for bonus. I'm really holy. I'm going to go for seven because that's his number. That's who he is and that's just going to, he's thinking he's really doing well. But Jesus looked at him and says, not seven times, but Jesus said 70 times seven. Now, Jesus wasn't saying 490 times if you do the math. That's not what he was saying. What Jesus was telling Peter and what he's telling you and I is this. The way we forgive has to be completely and continually. Continually. Every day, maybe for the rest of your life, if needed, you need to be willing to forgive. Come on, we've got to make that choice. I don't want to be around unforgiveness. I don't want that in my life. I've got to make that choice to always be a bigger person and to forgive. That's why he told the story. Because look, the debt the man owed was 10,000 talents. Look at this on the screen. One talent was equal to about 15 years salary of the average pay of that day. 15 years average wage, one talent. 10,000 talents meant I owed 150 years salary. The debt, in other words, was in the billions. And the debt was so big. We can just read it as 10,000 talents and we think it's just another number, the same as 100 denarii. No, you've got to see it for how big it really was. Jesus is showing here that the debt was so great that there was no way humanly possible that he was able at any chance to be able to repay that debt. And here's why too. (laughs) You got to understand in these days there was no bailouts, there was no bankruptcies. 
You were required to pay it all. And if you couldn't, you were thrown in prison until you could, which meant you never would. You would die in prison because you couldn't work. You couldn't earn money. You would die in prison. And then they would take your wife if you had one. They would take your family. They would sell them as slaves. They would sell off everything that you had to recant and get some of the money back. Can you see, please, today... The picture that we see through harboring unforgiveness in our heart, it won't just put you to jail. It will put your family in jail. It will rob you from your livelihood and everything that you'll have. You see, the man had two choices. Number one was to fall on his knees and ask for forgiveness or to die in prison. You and I have the choice today. You can die in your prison of unforgiveness or you can fall on your knees and cry out to a God who forgave a sin debt greater than you and I could ever own. But when he hung upon a cross, he paid that price once and for all. How did the story go? I've got to finish this message. He was forgiven of everything. Wow. He probably, just like every one of us, didn't fully grasp and understand And imagine everything that he had been forgiven from, the magnitude of the grace. And then what does he do? He soon forgets. God help us to not forget. Because he goes to a man who owes him 100 denarii. That's about 20 bucks. 20 dollars. Billions he owed, but someone owed him 20 dollars. Matthew 18, 28 and 29, he said, pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me, I will pay you all. But he would not. But he went and threw him in prison until he could pay the debt. He knew he would be unable to do that. What's wrong with this man? I mean, come on. Don't you remember the debt? that you were forgiven from? But really, the better question today is this. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? The story doesn't end well for him. Colossians 2, 3, 13 and 14. You were dead. I was dead because of our sins and because of your sinful nature. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Can someone say today, thank you, Jesus? Nothing I deserve. (laughs) Yet he does it for those who will ask and repent. So why, pastor, why should I forgive? Let me give you quickly five reasons why you should give. Number one, God tells us we must. Colossians 3.13, bear one another, forgive one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must forgive other people. That should be enough for us to know that God says we should. Number two, you will never move beyond your unforgiveness. Be like a dog on a chain. You think you've got freedom, but you haven't. 
You've got limited freedom. The enemy wants to give you limited freedom because he wants you to accept that. Oh, well, I guess this is the life I'm going to live. No, God says, I've got a wide open, spacious life. It's the unforgiveness. It's what's in your heart that's robbing you. It's that chain that's keeping you. Why? Forgiveness produces growth. And if you don't forgive, it's like being stuck in the past. Look at this statement. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It doesn't kill them. It tortures you. Oh, but I'll show them. No, no, no. You're the one that's destroying your life. Number three, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Let me say that again. If you don't forgive. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what they've done. Listen, if you don't forgive, God says you will not be Forgiven, Matthew 6, 14, 15. If you don't believe me, believe his words. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh, but pastor, you're misreading that. You're misinterpreting that because what he really means is this. And No, he made it crystal clear. You've got to forgive to be forgiven. No matter what, you've got to forgive and he'll give you the strength to do those things. I'm telling you right now, you're listening to me today, no one is worth your eternity. No one is worth robbing you from heaven robbing you from your inheritance, what God has. But that's exactly what that person is doing because if you choose not to forgive them, they are still hurting your life and on to the future life when one day, hopefully, we're all going to be with Christ. And it's not going to be worth it because by then you're going to say, man, if only, and it's going to be too late because there's no second chances the other side of eternity. Number four, when you forgive, you remove their debt off of you. Come on, when you forgive, you're saying this, are you ready? You don't owe me anymore and I will never come back to try to collect that from you. Wow. You remove that debt and you throw it at the cross of Christ. And number five, the reason why and the band can come back is this, God's peace can begin to reign in your life. Colossians 3, 13 through 15, bearing one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also forgive. Verse 14, but above all these things, put on love. Come on, you need the love of Jesus. In order to forgive, you need the love of forgiveness in your life, which is the bond of of perfection. It's everything that you could ever need. And verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Come on, it's only in that order. Come on, that's the only right, lasting and complete way. You've got to forgive people through the love of Christ so then that you can live in peace. Here's my question today. Mind the gap. You've got to get from unforgiveness to a place of forgiveness. Would you bow your heads all over this place?